This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And if you want to help support the podcast, you can donate to it on um, obsessiveviewer.com with a nice donate button or patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Or if you don't want to spend money, just leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us out a ton. Tiny, how are you doing? Are you ready for your vacation? Oh, so much. Nice. Yes. For our listeners, he's going to Florida. I am. Leaving yeah. in two days. Nice, nice. Yep. That's, uh, I was actually, I was actually going to tell you that, um, <laughs> uh, with the news, um, we were just, for our listeners off air, we were just talking about the news segment of this episode, which we'll get to in a moment. But I was going to bring up like the Dark Tower news that came out in EW, mm-hmm. um, because as of this recording, the issue hit stands tomorrow. Um, are you going to buy it? Probably. Nice. Yeah. I was thinking like that would be good, like airplane reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm going to buy, I'm probably going to buy a couple of copies because I, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Yeah. But I was going to like pitch to you, like we should do just a bonus episode just about that issue in the news that's hit and our thoughts on the, on the thing. So mm-hmm. just a thought. That's Tiny's way of saying no. He just said, mm-hmm. Like, like he said, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we should. I'm not going to. But. <laughs> I mean, I'm really surprised that Entertainment Weekly is doing something. They're, they're not only talking about the Dark Tower, they're putting on the cover. Exactly. Oh, I'm very surprised I know. at that. And it's funny because... Um, Delighted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that, actually, because uh, the Dark Tower... Uh, dar- wow. Dark Tower Palaver. It's a podcast about the Dark Tower. Uh-huh. Really great. It's it's basically two guys who, from what I understand, they're like co. It's basically us when we work together and talked about the Dark Tower. Nice. Like, they love the Dark Tower and everything. So nice. they're really great. Tad and Peter, they're really great at doing the the their podcast and everything. They have a, a roundtable discussions. Um, uh, they answer like every email on the air, and they also have a reader uh, book club. Episodes. It's really good. It's called Dark Tower Palaver. But anyway, nice. they actually just had the um uh the basically one of the chief uh, film writers for EW, uh, Anthony Bresnikan, who he's like the one who wrote like all the Dark Tower stuff. He's a huge Dark Tower fan, and I think that he his involvement with Entertainment Weekly is what got um it pushed to like onto the cover and everything. And I'm. Like he said in that episode, and I highly recommend you guys go check it out because it's it's a really good interview. But he said in the episode that he he's written about Star Wars, he's written about um, uh, Harry Potter, he's written about a bunch of stuff this year. Nothing has gotten it. Nothing has been more successful, like traffic wise, than the Dark Tower stuff. Really? Yeah. That is so encouraging. And it right. It's so, it's so, it's so satisfying. Yeah. But there's a lot of good tidbits in that episode of Dark Tower Palaver. It's not only is it good tidbits about it, but it, like he talks about like, ex- like being on set and seeing the filming of it. And he, uh, there's one scene where he describes Idris Elba filming a scene and then he's like, like his excitement for Idris Elba and for the movie just translates so well. Like I heard him describe it and I was like, I, I can't wait. I just can't wait. <laughs> nice. I can't wait. So Me anyway. Either. Yeah. So anyway, that was a slight tangent. That could bring us up into the news segment. 
even. But first, I just want to mention, A, we're going to be talking about Goosebumps. Or, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> first up, we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters, the remake in this episode. So stick around for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, we're going to do a brief news segment. Um, and then also, I just want to mention real quick that tickets are on sale for Shocktober in Irvington 3. Uh, that's at shocktoberinirvington.com. Basically, it's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers from here in Indianapolis. Um, it's October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater. We're renting out the venue for the night. We're going to be screening the movies, interviewing the filmmakers after each screening, giving uh, raffling off prizes. We're going to be get, giving away DVDs, Blu-rays, gift cards to Irvington businesses. All the money that we make is going to go right to the Irvington Historical Society. Our third year doing it. More information at shocktoberinirvington.com. And... As I said before, tickets are on sale now, and as a special bonus for listeners of the podcast, you can get $1 off the price of admission when you use the promo code PODCAST1 when you buy the tickets. That's PODCAST1, PODCAST, and the number one. So, yeah, so do that, and um, uh, get a discount on money that we're going to donate to the Historical <laughs> Society. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm, we're obviously really excited about it, and I'm really uh, hoping to see everyone there. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, having said all that, Tiny, are you ready for a couple quick news segments? Absolutely. All right. So, um, truth be told, <laughs> I've been <laughs> super busy. Yeah. I've had work. I've had uh, Indie Film Fest is currently going on. I think I'm going to record a solo bonus episode devoted to this year's Indie Film Fest um, probably next week. But so basically my entire schedule has been go to work, go home, change, go to the art museum, see a couple movies, come home, sleep, get up, go to work. Um, also shower, get dressed, eat, all that stuff. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you've been eating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I haven't really been able to be as plugged in with the news segments or new film news in the world. Um <laughs> But I just want to mention a couple brief things that are, that do pertain to this episode's main subject, really. First up is, uh, Leslie Jones quit Twitter. Um, Leslie Jones played Patty in Ghostbusters, the mm-hmm. remake, and she quit Twitter on a couple days ago as of this recording. So, Tiny, have you heard about this at all? I have not. Okay. So the internet sucks. It does. It, uh, it does. Yeah. So. Okay, so so after Ghostbusters premiered, obviously there's that whole there's been a controversy not there's been talks surrounding it, a negative buzz mm-hmm. basically because internet is crazy. Um so people have been very much uh there's been a very loud anti Ghostbusters 2016 uh group on the internet. So after the movie premiered, I guess a ton of people bombarded uh, Leslie Jones's Twitter account with like really hateful tweets, racist tweets, um, talking about her dead brother, like just like really angry, just vitriol, just all at her. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and she she responded to them. She was she was responding to them and retweeting them and everything. And then eventually got to the point where she just said, all right, I'm done. Quitting quitting Twitter. Done. Uh, you guys ruined it or whatever. I can't blame her. Yeah, me me neither. And I mean, granted, okay, first of all, maybe 
maybe just don't respond to him, just block him. But also, I mean, I'm not going like it's not. I don't blame her for it or anything, mm-hmm. but it's just God. People, people suck. Yeah, they do. Yeah, especially sheltered by the anonymity of the internet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and so many of them were just. Uh, <laughs> so many of them. So many of the replies were coming from people with blank profile pictures or fake names or or just stupid hidden behind the anonymity of the internet. Right. So yeah, so I mean that's just a shame. It's it sucks. And I guess like um obviously people were coming to her defense as well. Um there's there was a good outpouring of um people defending her. I think Paul Feig commented on it very very vocally um about it. And it's just it's uh, it's so it sucks. It's it's just it's lame. I so, agree. I mean yeah. it's just like what are you trying to accomplish by doing that? I mean, it's right. Having her delete her Twitter or just quit Twitter. That's not, what does it solve? I mean, I just don't, right. It's terrible. Ugh. Yep. And, uh, that actually leads into the next thing is that, uh, friend of the show, Kate Chaplin, who we've interviewed and, um, that she, she's been a guest on the show and everything. And she's, she's a filmmaker from here in Indianapolis, actually. She, um, wrote this really good, uh, piece on her website at katechaplin.com just explaining like how this, um, response to Ghostbusters, not, not really the, it, it wasn't even, it was more of an implied thing. It wasn't like these, these actions are terrible. I mean, like, obviously that's what she was saying and everything, but it was mm-hmm. more, the state of geek culture and how like her entire life she was a geek and she was, you know, ridiculed for that and how geeks share this common commonality among them where like geeks have been ridiculed and, and everything. And now, now geek culture is pop culture and geek culture is the dominant culture. And now that's breeding bullies within it. That's trying to tear it down. And it was really, really well done, really well written and uh really, really passionate plea for geek culture to you know not be dicks (laughs) right so i encourage everyone to check it out i'll put a link in the show notes and everything very cool yeah and also speaking of kate she actually uh mentioned obsessive viewer uh recently she uh today like i got a notification that uh starbase indie posted a facebook uh post saying what's your favorite geeky podcast and kate was kind enough to put um (laughs) Uh, Kate's take, but that's too egotistical to say. So the obsessive viewer podcast. Oh, that's a nice. That's very nice. So yeah, thanks, Kate. Um, okay, and then uh, finally, this is kind of bleeding into our review. But uh, Tony Troxel, a friend of the show who won the Amazon gift card, uh, he's at Indiana Geeking on Twitter. Uh, he liked he liked Ghostbusters, and he had a nice write up of it on his blog at geekinginindiana.com. So check that out. And uh, that's about it for news. Okay. Um, yeah, so should we move on to our review? I believe we should. All right. Okay, so we are going to be discussing Ghostbusters 2016, directed by Paul Feig, uh, starring Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Michelle Mac- or Melissa McCarthy, and uh, Leslie Jones. So bef- just so you guys know, we're going to go spoiler-free. And then eventually we will get into a spoiler section, but it will be clearly defined in the episode and in the show notes. So rest easy. We won't spoil anything for you until uh, we prompt you for it. So I just want to say I wanted to try to get Fekus to come on for this episode. Um, I think on his last 
episode that he was a guest on, he said that he was just not going to see it. And then he posted on Facebook that he was planning on seeing it. So I was like, hey, we're recording Thursday. And he's like, I don't think I'll be able to see it on time. So he he couldn't because his wife wanted to see Tarzan instead. So Oh, okay. So blame his wife. Well, I can't blame her, really. Right, right. Hey, Peter Skarsgård's shredded abs. Is it Alexander Skarsgård? Whatever. Yeah. Skarsgård. Yeah. One of the... Yeah, there's like 17 of them. Right, I, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters. So uh, I want to kind of start out just by talking about our feelings about the original and its sequel. If Have you seen the sequel, Ghostbusters 2? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've never seen it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of get us kicked off if you don't mind. Sure. So I, I mean, Ghostbusters wasn't like a defining comedy of mine growing up by any stretch. I think I I saw a lot of it or bits and pieces of it as a kid growing up, but it wasn't, I don't think it was even until, um, a handful of years ago. Um, when I was in Evansville visiting Mike, um, and we saw it at the movie theater, like we, like they had a screening to it and we went and saw it. Um, and that was like the first time I'd seen it all the way through beginning to end. And I really, really liked it. Um, like I said, it's not, for me, it's not a defining comedy. I, I don't revisit it all the time. I don't even own it on DVD or Blu-ray actually, but, um, I see the merit in it and I see how people can be, I can see why it would be a prominent movie in people's, uh, lives because of the comedy in it. Um, but I mean, you know, it's not one that I revisit annually. Um, but it's not one that I will, that I would be, that I would turn off. If it was on, um, that might be putting a little, not harshly, but under, understating it a little bit, but, um, I really, I enjoy it. I enjoy it quite a bit, but it's not like a defining movie for me, like mm-hmm. back to the future or Jurassic park or, um, any Pixar movie <laughs> except the good dinosaur. <laughs> um, yeah. Tiny, what do you think of uh, ghostbusters and is ghostbusters two worth checking out? You know, I think it means a little more, to me maybe than what you're describing because mm-hmm. um, we, we watched it a lot throughout my childhood um, my dad loved it he was you know he he was at the right age for when it came out nice. um, he was in his 30s um, but it, you know it I think the reason I liked it so much as a kid is because it just had so many it had so many goofy and or scary things in it that mm-hmm. just, I just kind of latched onto um, uh, most important Importantly, gosh, I can't think of what the ghost is called, but the green ghost. Slimer? Slimer, thank yeah. you. Um, loved him in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, we had, like, Slimer paraphernalia. We drank <laughs> Ecto Cooler like it was water. Um, nice. and so, like, uh, th- stuff like that. And then, you know, Zool and her little dog mm-hmm. things scared me. I thought it was scary. Nice. Um, the arms popping out of the. Uh, popping out of the chair and pinning down Sigourney Weaver scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, for those reasons it did, but it doesn't, it didn't, similar to what you said, it didn't like define part of my comedy, uh, opinions, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the comedy was over my head when I watched it. I pro- was probably a little too young for it when I watched it the first time. Um, so yeah, it, do- it doesn't necessarily, it's not a definitive comedy for me, mm-hmm. j- just, just like you, but it, I do have, a lot of nostalgia attached to it. Nice. Um, and as far as the, the sequel, there's some good jokes in there, but it's, it's pretty silly and, um, it's, some over the topness is involved, but, uh, it's definitely worth seeing. Nice. I think anyways. 
Okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with that out of the way, uh, what were your expectations going into the remake? Um, you know, I I kind of had middling expectations because when I when I first heard they were doing it and they were doing it with all female cast, I was like, mm-hmm. they have an amazing like in for mm-hmm. the story. I was like, if they go a certain route, this could be a really great sequel. This would be awesome. I was really excited for it. Mm-hmm. And then you know, as as pieces of the story started to leak, or you know what they were trying to do with the story, I became less and less enthusiastic about it. Um, but never, never throughout any of that have I ever wanted to not love it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wanted to love it. I wanted to go see it and be like, this is the this is awesome. This is a great addition to the franchise. I, I wanted to love it. Um, so th- I went in even to the theater. The other day when I saw it, I was like, I really, I want to love this movie. I, I want mm-hmm. to just come out and just gush over it. I, I really want to do that. Nice. So I didn't necessarily expect to, mm-hmm. but that's what I wanted. You just wanted to? Yeah. Okay. So my expectations going in were kind of, I, it's hard to say. Like, there's been so much, there's been so much of an outcry over it just from, you know, internet trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, it's had such a weird, um, production cycle in terms of buzz around it, both negative and positive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just been, it's been such a, it's reached a point where it's, it's kind of, it kind of got me to a point where I'm like, at this point, I, I don't care. I like, cause it's, cause it's like, okay, it could either, it could either be good or bad. I know that I'm not going to go in there with the expectation of it being, uh, bad because it's females uh, in the roles. Cause I don't care. I think that, that, that the, um, I thought that, like you said, I thought that it was a good in for it. And I didn't have any problems with that at all going into it. But the, the amount of discussion and discourse over uh, throughout the internet and on podcasts and everywhere surrounding it just was draining to me because I was like, I, I don't have a, a dog in the fight because it didn't define my, um, childhood. It's, I'm, I'm not, I, I haven't, uh, how to put this? Um, <laughs> you're not a woman. I, the, right. right. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm going to butcher the line. Oh, I wish I could say the line. Um, uh, you're right. I have a dick. Um, nice. not that he has no dick anyway. Um, <laughs> nice. So anyway, um, no, 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 but se- seriously, like I'm, I like, I support feminism. I like, I, I'm not actively against feminism at all. It's just, I'm not on the front lines of feminism. Right. I, I feel like I'm not, you know, it's, I'm a, I'm a guy and I haven't experienced, uh, seeing films skewed for male or, or skewed for the opposite genders audiences. And I haven't, I haven't experienced, you know, it's the same, it's the same type of thing as when we talked about the Oscar so white controversy. Right. Right. Um, because it's just, it's just something that as a white guy, it's not something that I can like really understand, not understand. Cause I under, I empathize with it and everything. Right. It's just, I can't, uh, I, it's just I don't have that life experience that would cause it to have such an outcry. Who the hell are we to have an opinion on that? Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, as a couple of white dudes, right? And yeah. I went into this episode like fully intent on just not bringing it up at all. But my point is that I went in like like all of the discussion and everything surrounding it, and all the outcry and everything surrounding it didn't didn't make me disinterested in it 
per se, but it made me not it it made me not as enthused about just about seeing it. it like I was emotionally drained from before I went into the movie. If if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was just like okay, this has been talked about for for months now, weeks or weeks and months now. It's just like I, I'm just I want it to be. You know, I want the culture to move on to the next terrible outcry and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, ridiculous thing. Having said all of that. I went. I want to share an anecdote before before we get into our actual review. So, like, I I like the fact that they made a female driven Ghostbusters movie, and I'm I supported that and everything. But like I said, I didn't really have you know the emotional connection or context for it to really like be all into it and everything. But there was one thing that happened in the theater that I kind of thought like, okay, wow, I kind of like I get it. I, I, I got it now. So I went to, okay, depending on how I phrase this, this is going to sound super creepy. <laughs> so I got my ticket and then I went into the theater, not into the theater, but into the, the building. Um, and then I went to the restroom and, uh, you know, did my thing. I didn't need to say that. Not um, so much. <laughs> yeah. So as I'm walking out of the restroom, I hear like on the other side of the wall, um, a guy outside, outside like the theater where Ghostbusters was playing, um, say like, okay, just, it'll just be a second. I'll, I'll be in and, uh, I'll be right out. So I was like, I was like, okay, that's weird. And so in like the back of my head, I was like, oh, he's just abandoning, he's like leaving his kid there and everything. But then when I came out of the bathroom, I looked and I saw that a first there was a big, a big Ghostbusters standee, like right next to the theater entrance mm-hmm. that like had like Ghostbusters and had, um, the logo, like a huge logo. And there was this little, like, very sweet-looking, little, like, probably six, seven-year-old girl hugging the damn thing. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I see now. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, that's, I mean, that, just seeing that was, like, powerful in and of itself because, yeah, I I get it. I, I totally get it. And, um, so, so that, that was my experience. Like, I, I didn't, up until that point, it's not like I thought, like, okay, it's being overblown. Like, I thought the outcry was definitely being overblown about it. Like, saying, like, oh, you're ruining your my childhood or whatever. Like, yeah. that level of discourse is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know that we're going to be experiencing a lot of that when the, the Dark Tower comes out. Yeah. Um, so, God. So, anyway, um, so anyway, so, so we're going to be, like, that level is, you know, overblown. But it's not like I thought, like, okay, well, the the pro feminism side is like okay maybe they're just making it out to be this big staple of their agenda when it's i mean it's a movie it's a remake of a movie and it's like it's not that like i kind of thought for a second like okay well it's not really that it, it's not it's not like a big statement or i didn't think i didn't think of it as a big statement for feminism and everything and then i saw that and i was like shit <laughs> <laughs> me right um, <laughs> so, wow so that's my anecdote i hope i didn't put my foot in my mouth there or anything but but yeah so, so that was i thought that was really interesting um yeah that's a good see. that's a good story yeah, it was cool yeah should we get into our actual thoughts on the movie yeah we probably should okay cool <laughs> yeah because we've been talking for 25 minutes okay um yep so yeah so just broad thoughts on the on the movie what did, what did you think about it overall uh, I I didn't love it, and that's like I said, I I wanted to, um, but I I didn't. 
I liked I liked it though. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's an okay movie. Um, I I think they casted it almost perfectly. Like I don't mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have changed anything about the cast. Um, so th- that's uh, I have a lot of good things to say about them. Um, but I, I was I was just kind of unsatisfied with dissatisfied with the story. Oh, they, really? they should have taken it s- such a different direction. And I I I've heard or I saw somewhere that. Paul Feig has a very good uh, defense as to why they did a reboot as, instead of a sequel. Mm-hmm. I did not read that. I didn't get around to it, but uh, I, I think that was their biggest mistake. Um, and I, I think it, it, I don't know if I'd say it backfired, but I, mm-hmm. it, I just don't think the story worked all that well. Okay. Um, so I, I definitely wasn't disappointed, uh, but I didn't love it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a really interesting uh, episode then because. I had so much fun with this movie. Nice. I thought it was. I thought it was just kind of a blast, really. Um, I thought that the act, the actresses, the like the four leads. I thought they were just great. Um, I had my reservations going in um, about, particularly about Leslie Jones, because it seemed like in in the trailer she was really one note. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta say, they. I mean, they made her pertinent to the story. They didn't make her the kind of just like, okay, I'm your guys. You guys are scientists. I don't know anything. Let me join. They didn't Ernie Hudson her. Exactly. They yeah. they made her pertinent to it to to an extent. I mean, obviously, she's not like a scientist or anything, right. but it, so there is a disconnect there. But it's I agree. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, but like the way that they made her be kind of knowing about not, and it's not like this. Um, really racially insensitive thing where it's like she's street smart or anything like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that. She's, she's knowledgeable about the history of the city. Right. Yeah. And that's really important when you have ghosts to bust. She knows New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it was really, that was really satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon. Oh my God. I, I thought she killed it. She was the thing that I loved about the movie. Yeah. She was like, yeah, we can talk about her. Oh, we'll talk Later. about her, her yeah. more in depth, but she was, she was the standout for me. I yeah. loved everything about, uh, her role there. And, uh, Kristen Wiig, I really, really enjoyed. And then, uh, Melissa McCarthy, I liked a lot. Like, I, like, I'm not a big McCarthy fan, but, and there, there was like, there were maybe two scenes where it was clear, like, clear, like she was, it, it was clearly like her, um, riffing a little bit. Mm hmm. And so you could kind of tell, like, like her sense of humor kind of seeped in, like, kind of an improvised, uh, Im- improv, uh, improvised. Wow, that's a hard word. <laughs> um, improvised a little bit, and like that kind of fell a little flat for me. But I mean, she was she was great. Every, every the cast was great. Chris Hemsworth was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and and I loved. So I said that the original isn't a like touchstone movie for me or my childhood or anything, but I still, I really enjoyed the callbacks to the original, the references. Uh, we'll get more into that and spoilers, but I really liked the way that, that it incorporated the, like things about the original that stood out without depending on them. And also while creating this new, new mythology for the, in, in a new kind of universe. Okay. Um, so I, I had a lot of fun. I thought a lot of the jokes landed really well for me. I, I had a really good time just laughing at it. And, uh, and I kind of, I kind of left the theater thinking like, okay, let's do it again. I want to see, I want to see more. I, I would love to see a sequel with this. I would love to see where it goes. Um, and it's a movie that I'll probably eventually see again. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I, I really liked it. We'll talk more in depth, uh, here 
now. Um, so, okay, so let's see. First off, I just want to say that there's been, um, I've noticed a lot of critiques on the movie about how it's not a, how it's just a, it's a hard reboot. It's, it's rebooting it, not, not having the original being pertinent to, like, not, not being in the same universe as the original, which I, I mean, it's, the term legacy sequel has been bandied around the past couple of years for like movies like Creed, Star Wars, um, movies, movies where franchises are, are brought back with original cast members passing the torch to a new audience. Um, it's, I think Matt Singer from Screen Crush coined the term legacy sequel for it. So a lot of people have been saying that they wish that this movie would have been a legacy sequel. They wish that it would have been the original cast passing the torch to them. And, to that, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine with how it was. I'm fine with it being a hard reboot because A, you're going to have, you already have a movie that people, um, are so vocally against because it's tarnishing the original or whatever, or the original is so, um, so central to their upbringing that, you know, to have people with ovaries play the, play the roles is like tragic. But, um, <laughs> but you already have that. So, so if you, if you have fans of the original going to see a movie with the original cast, the original cast interacting, um, there, I felt like that would be overshadowing for the, for the new ones. And like the new cast, like they're all very talented comedic, uh, comedic performers. And like, that's what this movie needed was them to grow and do their own thing and have, have their own thing without relying on, um, the chemistry of the original, um, or the tone of the original even. So did you, how'd you feel about that? Were you fine with it being a hard reboot? Um, not really. And, okay. and I don't, again, I don't think the story was bad. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought, like I said, I thought it was a, a pretty decent movie. It was, it was mm-hmm. okay for me. Um, but I, I just feel like they missed a golden opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. with, with most of the original cast still being around and obviously, you know, willing to participate in some way. I, I think, I think the whole, the, the torch passing, uh, story that you referenced, um, would have been, I, I think, I really think they should have gone that route. I think that would have been really satisfying. I probably would have loved that movie if they mm-hmm. would have done the, you know, stayed in that universe with the franchise. I, I would have appreciated that a lot more, I think. And, and, and as soon as I heard that, that, as soon as I heard they were making a new Ghostbusters movie and it was going to mm-hmm. be an all female cast, I was like, they need to do this. And it was mm-hmm. passing the torch and I was like, I, I would love that. And that's why I, I wanted to love this. Um, and, and I think you mentioned that it would kind of overshadow and I think you're probably right. It, it may, it might have, but I think it just would have been better. In, in my opinion, I think it just would have been a better movie all around. And I, th- I think you could have, you could have put emphasis on the new characters while still, still recognizing and, and having the original cast in it at least to a certain extent. Um, you could have had them in there, had the original cast in there very minimally, uh, especially like an opening scene of some kind where they're mm-hmm. all like a bunch of geriatrics trying to fight ghosts and they're getting their asses <laughs> kicked. That would have been hilarious. The and then Bubba Hotep of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and then you'd have your, you'd have your end for the passing of the torch and it could have been just a, a simple short scene to open the movie and then had, had the original Ghostbusters in the film very minimally from there and, and focus all of the attention onto the new cast. I think they could have pulled it off, especially with the proper filmmakers and the right screenwriter and everything. I think they could have pulled it off really well. Um, 
and then they chose to go this route. So I, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, but it was, it was a decent movie. Mm. I, I can't, I can't say it sucked at all. Okay. Do you, and this is more of a broad question, not really pertaining to Ghostbusters, more about the thoughts of remakes versus legacy sequels in general. But, um, Creed, Star Wars, Star Trek, Jurassic Park, um, other movies I'm sure that I'm forgetting. Um, they've had sequels long after the previous installment and they've had characters kind of passing the torch or returning to bring in an audience to it. Um, uh, was there a movie that just recently came out that tried that? That was compared to Jurassic World? Oh, Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah. yeah. Completely forgettable movie for me. <laughs> but uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Is there a time, like, because... You know, it's very fashionable to just blindly hate on remakes and reboots. Yeah. Uh, just like, just sight and scene, like, oh, that's a remake that's, you know, it's horrible just in principle. Mm-hmm. So is there, is that like, is this legacy sequel like fad or, or trend? Is that like a loophole to that, uh, sentiment? I think so. I think, I think it kind of eases the burden, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, especially like we all, you know, we did a, we did a whole episode on Creed. Yeah, Um, that's right. We did. We all loved it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mike included. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a fantastic movie and that was a legacy sequel. Um, whereas a remake, I'm less, I'm less, uh, inclined to, go into it with the proper attitude. It doesn't mean I can't be surprised and be like, Hey, that was actually really good. I'm glad they remade that. Right. Um, it, it's kind of hard to be objective about it, but I think, I think people are more, the general audience out there is more inclined to enjoy a legacy sequel as opposed to just a complete remake. Mm. Um, but for me, yeah. for me, sometimes movies are just good and sometimes movies are just bad. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I've seen good remakes and crappy legacy sequels. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I can only really speak for myself, but right. I, I think, I think it's that whole perception and people, uh, attempting or, or, uh, poorly managing their expectations going into something. Right. There, there's a lot of people who are just automatically dismiss things. Right. So. Okay. And I, I'm kind of coming at it from the thought like, okay, if, if people are kind of not dismissing, uh, dismissing is a harsh word, but if people are, uh, uh, knocking points off of, uh, Ghostbusters because it didn't have the original cast and it wasn't in the original universe. It seems like, okay, well, if the, if the legacy sequel is the loophole to the remake problem, then how long is it going to be before we get really tired of the trope of original cast members coming in to, to, pass the torch to new characters and that's everything. true that's yeah. a good point yeah we, yeah. Could, we could get fatigued when it comes to that that's true right it just seems like i don't know with that argument it seems like people have kind of a short short memory or short um attention span with with trends and movies because if you keep saying like okay well you know pass it on like pass it on to a new to a new thing like that's all we're gonna get and that's gonna be yeah. that's gonna be the new cash grab True. Um, That's, you know, yeah, you make a really good point. Yeah. So that was kind of my, the way my brain was working when I was thinking of, I'm f- like, I'm totally fine with, with, uh, Ghostbusters being a complete remake, um, mm-hmm. the way that it was. Like, I had no problems with that at all. Um, maybe, eh, 
in the with the right script, maybe that could have worked with the original cast. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, there's also something to be said about you know Dan Aykroyd. I did, would would he have the chops to to uh, do the uh, perform that role again? Bill Murray has a very different or uh, he he has a uh, a certain persona that he has mm-hmm. <laughs> now that um I think Mike actually referred to it in when he did his pine tree perfume check-in um for the Jungle Book he mentioned as Bill Murray kind of doing his kind of phone phoned it in performance in, mm-hmm. in the Jungle Book and that's that's kind of what Bill Murray is these days and is that really going to be the Vankman we want um these yeah. days bill murray's kind of bill murray now right yeah i mean he gets hard for him you know he he i'm not saying he can't disappear in a character because he can right with even with some of his recent performances but mm-hmm. i think it's hard for people to take to remove the bill murray <laughs> right yeah yeah so i don't know that's that's a really good point mm. that's a really good point i just yeah. feel like the passing of the torch was a better opportunity okay that's sure. that's just how i feel they, they could have done it and it could have sucked even worse mm. than anything ever uh, but I, I just feel like it was a better opportunity. Okay. Did you, how did you feel about the, and I mean, we can get more into story and every, everything and performances and everything here in a bit, but how did you feel about the, okay. So, so you, you feel like there was an opportunity for it to be, uh, better if they had the original cast passing the torch. how did you feel about in, in lieu of that, having, um, so many Easter eggs and, and callbacks, and references to the original. How'd you feel those were incorporated into the movie? Did you feel like those landed for you? Um, well, the, the callbacks and the Easter eggs, I did enjoy quite a bit. Um, the cameos, not as much. Um, we'll talk about them in spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- some of the Easter eggs were really, and I think, I think they used some of them very well. Um, were, were pretty cleverly incorporated into the, into this new movie and I, I appreciated those. Uh, that was actually, that was pretty well done in my, in my opinion anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Again, we can get into specifics and spoilers. Right. For right. that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> it's funny because yeah, the original Ghostbusters war wasn't, uh, a big, a big fixture in my life growing up, but Every time there was, every time I recognized a reference or, or something about the original, I, I was just like, I was, I just smiled like an idiot in the theater. I yeah. was like, that's, that, that works. That's so good. Um, <laughs> I, I really liked it. Um, so the actual story, and then we can get into performances and stuff, cause I'm really anxious to talk about Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story, I mean, <laughs> There were, there were moments where they were clearly, clearly, and throughout, throughout the movie, actually, they were clearly, uh, responding to the internet outcry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard, um, the villain of the movie is essentially an angry, an angry, uh, is essentially the, the type of person that is an angry, like, internet commenter or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, there's, there's, uh, I'll save that for spoilers. But what did you, what did you think of the actual story of of both the Ghostbusters becoming the Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters busting ghosts and stuff? Which that was another thing that was referenced in another podcast that I I kind of realized after the fact that they don't they don't 
trap the ghosts. They trapped one ghost in the yeah. thing, and that that was kind of a bummer. But we'll talk more about that in spoilers. But what what did you think of the story? Um, you know, it was okay. I again, you know, my heart was in another spot when it came to came to the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was it was fine. I thought it was I thought it was just pretty derivative of the first movie for the most part. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know it. It was fine. It it just felt very plain to me. Um, like the the conflict was just kind of kind of obvious, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not being overly critical of it. I didn't I didn't hate it or anything. I just it just it just felt very vanilla to me. Um, yeah. And I I I don't think there was anything. I don't think any of the like. I don't think it's going to stand out. I don't think the story is going to stand out in five years. Even all the people who love this movie. I don't think they're going to be focusing on parts of the story. I think they're going to be focusing on some action and the characters and the sentiment of it. I think that's what people are going to remember as opposed to, oh, they found this guy placing weird contraptions around the city and yada yada, and it led to this and this and this mm. and this. I don't think people are, people are going to really latch onto that and remember it. Um, I, I just thought it was very vanilla. I, I, I agree with you there. But I would venture to say that all of the callbacks, the references, the comedy, the interplay between the, the between the four leads, and also the side characters, like uh, the comedy was on point for me so much, and the references were so pleasing to me that it I can forgive the bland story, bland con- 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 conflict, and ultimately kind of uninteresting villain of it. Um, I can yeah. forgive those things because everything else was working so well for me. Um, and also the s- special effects. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I loved the, the visual effects in this movie. Yeah. I thought they were just look, they looked so good. I agree. Um, so cool. Just, uh, I, I loved it. Um, especially the first couple of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, I don't want to get into specifics, but yeah, right. they were very, one of them involved electricity and was very, yeah. That just had a, that was a really cool effect. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that, uh, the subway. Yeah. Just, yeah. They're like gorgeous colors and tones. Oh involved, yeah. And then I was, I was impressed. And that's like the kind of thing that I'm like, I see that and I'm like, if I was a kid, that would creep me out so much. Yeah. And that, that was really good. I, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was great. Um, so performances, um, uh, we, I kind of talked about what, what I thought of them, what I thought of them in my kind of broad terms, but, uh, what did, what did you think of all the performances? Um, you know, I, I think Kristen Wiig was the, was the, the, the perfect choice for the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more straight laced character than the other ones. Um, normal, if you will, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, so I think she was the the perfect choice for that. And I think she embraced it well. Um, her interaction with some of the other characters, uh, especially her, her storyline with uh, Chris Hemsworth was <laughs> that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciated that, and I think she did a good job. Um, Mel- Melissa McCarthy, I thought, was just kind of flat. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really, even even though I don't know, I almost would have rather seen her perpetuate her whole attitude she's been mm-hmm. addressing. The or, thing she's or, been kind of typecast as. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I'd, I'd almost would have rather seen her do that 
with the character than than what she ended up doing. I, I I feel like they couldn't figure out exactly what they wanted her to be, right. um, and that was a little unfortunate. Not to say that she was terrible or anything like that. She um, definitely seemed a lot more subdued, and I think that's what worked for me for, yeah. too. Because <laughs> I I just I don't like her style of comedy or what's made her famous. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like that shtick, um, and it's just been just overdone so much. Like I liked yeah. I liked it in Bridesmaids. But everything after that that I've seen her in, I just I haven't uh, connected with. Yeah, um, Chris Hemsworth was really funny. Mm-hmm. I, they they nailed him. He was oh, yeah. he was he was great. Um, Leslie Jones, I I really didn't have any opinion on her before mm-hmm. the movie. I don't I don't really watch SNL. Uh, and I hadn't seen her or anything else. Um, I, I liked her surprisingly a lot for, nice. for all the reasons you stated. She mm-hmm. was, they incorporated her well. She was not, they didn't Ernie Hudson her, mm-hmm. um, which, which is great. She was, she was part of the story and she was an integral character and, mm-hmm. and she was funny. And, and I liked, I liked what she added to the, to the dynamic of the group. Right. Um, but then yeah, the standout for me, Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Gosh, she was just, the word that comes to mind is fearless. Mm-hmm. Like she just grabbed onto that character and just, she was willing to do any wacky, crazy thing yeah. that she possibly could to make that character as crazy and as goofy mm-hmm. as she could. Um, and I'm just really impressed by that. Uh, she reminded me, her performance in this film reminded me a lot of Steve Carell and Anchorman. Oh yeah. And it just like stole the movie almost oh, from all wow. the other characters. Oh wow. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. And that's that's one of the roles that made Steve Carell famous. The right. role that made Steve Carell famous if you will, one of them. So yeah. I I was that that's what I kept thinking of when when I when she would say her goofy stuff throughout the mm-hmm. movie. Um she she just she became that character. Mm-hmm. I was I was really impressed with her. And it was it's like there's no she has no like off switch in the movie and yeah I, yeah and i thought that that worked really well for that character because mm-hmm. that character really uh works well in that universe and against uh, and with those characters as well and there's no real reason to give her anything that's you know that breaks her out of that that type i guess and that's dangerous right. ground for sequels um for future installments of the franchise too because where do you go from here but mm-hmm. i agree i thought she did a fantastic job and like i i can't remember which podcast i heard this on but they mentioned that uh someone mentioned that uh i think it was slash Filmcast. they said that yeah um she was great but also they've been or it might have been uh midwest Soldiers, but um they said that she's been kind of doing that similar thing in snl for her time on SNL. And like my, my response to that is I don't watch SNL yeah. and it's like, it's, I can't, I'm, I'm maybe that's the case, but I thought it worked really well in the context of Ghostbusters. Yeah. That, I mean, SNL is no longer the cultural influence that it once was. Right. It's no longer the, the same level of popularity. So right. I, I understand what they're saying, but I don't know if you can really use that as yeah. a, the crux of an argument anymore. Yeah. And it, it does make me seeing her in Ghostbusters makes me want to check out her sketches on on Saturday Night Live also. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, and I just I really I liked how and this is another thing that kind of I I've heard I've heard this sort of brought up on other podcasts and everything as well. But also just the fact that I like I saw that little girl hugging the stand um after like before the movie. And like that kind of had me thinking like it's, it's really cool that this movie 
Um, now that I think about it, it might have been the nerds you're looking for. They had a really good review of it. Nice. Um, yeah, and and they said that. Uh, yeah, that's what they, they said that they weren't fans of the the science in it. Like the the movie had a lot of a lot of science, you know, thrown at the audience. Just science, techno babble, dialogue, and yeah, I get that argument, and I understand everything, but. I th- I love the idea of little kids seeing this movie and like spe- like like that that little girl I saw maybe she sees this movie and she sees she sees how hilarious it is or that she she connects to it on on a level like that she sees these these women on screen being scientists and she sees Kate McKinnon rattling off all these things that inspires her to go for a, a STEM degree. Um, right. Yeah. It, uh, that would be like I like that. I like I like the uh dialogue and the the science dialogue basically um for that reason. I thought that was handled well. Yeah. I I'll have to I have to say that I think uh in the original the back and forth between Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis was a little better. Oh yeah. than between Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. But I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Right. And, and I like I, I liked their again their commitment to that. Mm-hmm. was was satisfying and it it was still well done i just slightly preferred that that concept in the original just a little bit okay more. yeah 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 I, I i need to rewatch the original but i mean i can't compare it to right to this for yeah. for me but um yeah uh, any other actors uh, you know not Really, not that much. I was glad to see Michael Kenneth Williams. Me too. He's Me just too. great. Oh I just yeah, love. I, I he could be in everything I ever see for the mm-hmm. rest of my life, and I'm like, ah, he's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Because he is. Oh yeah, <laughs> he is. Uh, oh, uh, HBO's new miniseries, crime miniseries. Uh, yeah, the night before. Oh, he's in that. Yeah, I I believe so. Yeah, the night, the night of the night of the night of. Yeah, yeah. I watched the before. first episode of that. Oh really? Gosh, was he in the first episode? I don't remember if he was. Interesting. He may have been. I can't remember. I I watched it like a month ago and have. Oh haven't, yeah. I haven't seen any of the other episodes yet. But okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we can talk about that later. Yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, story, plot, characters, uh, visual effects. Yeah. Anything else stood out? I mean, I kind of wanted to mention the action a little bit. Yeah. There's there's a really cool action scene. Again, we'll save it for spoilers, but mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a. I don't want to say Michael Bayish, but it's like mm. you know, it's it's kind of a battle action scene, and yeah. I was like, "This is pretty badass." Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody had any qualms about the fact, any of that ridiculous notion that the character shouldn't be played by women, mm-hmm. that all should have gone out the window during that scene because, especially Kate McKinnon was like, mm-hmm. they were like badasses in that oh, yeah. scene, and I was like, "This is really cool." This is probably a little bit cooler than the stuff in the original. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from the original, but. Like this, the action was cool, and this movie, I think, I think it was borderline better than the original. Yeah, um, and it was cool. Yeah, and the special effects had a big part of that yeah, too. Yeah, I agree. Looking so cool, and um, also I loved how that sequence is the breadcrumbs for it are laid so well because throughout the movie you get these like things where Kate McKinnon's like, oh, I made this, you, I made this, we have this, like in uh, the ghost chipper thing, we have this, yeah. this gadget, this thing, this thing. And like I loved that aspect of it because I loved all of the different gadgets they had. I I loved how that was incorporated into the movie. And then when you see them in action at the end, it's it's so satisfying to me because they've laid the groundwork for it and it it worked so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Yeah, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Any other thoughts or should we just dive into spoilers? I'd say we dive into spoilers. All right. We're going to dive into spoilers here for Ghostbusters 2016. Um, of course, you can check the show notes for timestamps to skip ahead. Um, you can also find those at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV177. And uh, also, be- before we actually get to that, Tiny, okay, so obviously the Ghostbusters aren't real. So yeah. if there's, though, this is, this is bad. Um, <laughs> if there's something strange in your neighborhood, you obviously can't call them. So what you could do is go to obsessiveviewer.com and click donate and donate to the pot. That was, that's, that was a stretch. It's really, yeah. (laughs) Um, so now that we have a donate button, look more forward to more of that horrible segues. Um, but no, just a reminder, just so you guys know, uh, on obsessiveviewer.com, there's a donate button, click it, donate however much you want. You can have recurring payments. Also, if you want to help support the podcast, basically, Yes, it is a free podcast. We have the equipment. It's free. And I think we sound pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lot of work to do it, but it's also like for each month we have fees and, and yearly fees for the domains and everything like that. And also we have Shocktober and Irvington and we have a lot of stuff that we like doing for it. And, um, so we're just asking if you want to, if you want to, uh, shoot us some money if you'd like to. Um, if not, you know, no big deal. To summarize, we broke. We are. Please help. Yes, the podcast isn't going to go away. We're not going to. This costs money. It does. Yes, <laughs> Tiny is a lot more, uh, a lot more, a lot better at vocalizing it than I'm beating around the bush. Like, hey, I mean, you know, guys, give me, give us money if you want. You know, good. And then Tiny's like, oh yeah, we're broke. Yeah, give us money. I hope um, you're never homeless and have to like panhandle oh yeah it'll take you 20 minutes <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> hey guys nice cart nice yeah oh, i can't do it anyway oh um, my gosh so yeah anyway obsessiveviewer.com click the donate button uh if you donate we'll uh we'll read your name and i'll be uh, ridiculously awkward with a thank you on the podcast for it um so yeah anyway Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. did you want to? I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. We might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on. The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? Okay, so spoilers on for Ghostbusters 2016. I just want to say, just first off, one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie. Um, happened when, <laughs> um, uh, when, when Melissa McCarthy and Kay McKinnon and, uh, uh, Kristen Wiig are going to the old house at the beginning and they see Zach Woods and then Kristen Wiig's like, um, Ed something, uh, told me, told me that you guys had a ghost problem. And then Zach Woods just dead pants and says, he died 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And then, then Ed Bagley Jr. shows up and he's like, are you dead? And then, he's, oh, no, 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 this is his son, <laughs> Jr., yeah. It's just, I, I don't know, the execution of that joke was so funny. and I, I agree. Yeah. That was I one of the better it. jokes in the movie. I wish there had been a lot more of those. Oh, yeah. 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 Or at least like that. Yeah. Did anything about the humor fall flat for you in, in general throughout um, the movie that you can speak with more um, yeah, in I, detail? I think the running joke of the, what was it, the wonton soup? 
Yeah. I don't think it ever really took off. I mean, I kind of watched it and I was like, <laughs> she doesn't get enough wontons in her suit. Right. That's, that's funny. But it, they kept drawing, trying to draw from that well, and mm-hmm. I don't think it ever really took off. I, I, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really care. I'm a fan of that style of comedy, mm-hmm. you know, callbacks and right. having a running gag. I think that's funny, but I just think it didn't really work in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I did like that they that they had the Chinese restaurant thing, and yeah. it wasn't like they were just immediately in the, the fire station or anything. That was a funny turn of events. I appreciated yeah. that, because I think it would have been like too much if they would have mm. gotten the fire station right away. Oh, yeah. I think that was fun. That was a good, good idea. Yeah, and, and I... Oh, God, and another favorite joke of mine was uh chris hemsworth everything he did really but yeah the oh my god i can't remember exactly how it happened but it was uh oh can i bring my cat here it's like no, yeah. just cats. oh he's not a cat it's my dog my cat it's just <laughs> that like that type of humor is my type of humor that's yeah. that's me <laughs> and that's like i i felt so satisfied when that happened well that's all right i can stay at home with my mom <laughs> That was great. <laughs> yeah. And they just, this, like, like the off the cuff joke where he was like, he was like, um, uh, aquariums are like submarines for fish. Right. That was so funny. I was it like, was, where did that come from? It was so great. That, yeah. and this, I had no right to laugh at this. As a bespectacle, as a bespectacle, wow. As a bespectacled, there person? you go. You got wow. it. You Holy got crap. it. Screw it. I'm leaving Hooked that on in. phonics. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who wears glasses, I had no right to laugh at this, but the him scratching his eyes and then also him, like him reacting to sound with his eyes by covering yeah. his eyes. That is, that is the dumbest thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. But I still laughed so hard at it. It was still pretty funny. Yeah. So dumb, but so funny. <laughs> One of the running gags I did enjoy. Speaking mm-hmm. of Chris Hemsworth, was mm-hmm. the whole just the phones, where they're yeah. like, "Can can you answer that, Kevin?" He's like, uh, "I can't. It's in the aquarium." <laughs> right. Like that was so great. <laughs> They're like, no, the one ringing on your desk. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And just like so happenstance <laughs> right. and just so matter of factly does that. I. I that was a fun that was the funniest running mm-hmm. gag i think of the movie yeah i enjoyed that yeah um the the kind of references to the internet outcry like the um the youtube comments they they mention reddit in the movie yeah um the logo design with the boobs yeah like that i thought landed really well and yeah. was such a nice um it was a bit of an fu. It, it was it was an fu, but it was still lighthearted enough yeah. to where it brought such. It was kind of a dignified fu. It wasn't right. like a resentful fu. Yeah, um, they didn't harp on it. It was just there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It yeah. was just yeah. Incorporated well. Right. Like like the YouTube comment. Like and it was so it was so organic too, especially the YouTube comments because yes, they're going to put the put the footage online and they're going to experience YouTube comments. Mm-hmm. Um and like. Like the ain't no bitches gonna be busting no ghosts or whatever like that. I was like, <laughs> that's so. I'm like they went there. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Agreed. Um, can we talk about the cameos? Yes. Okay. So you weren't a fan of them. Very dissatisfied. Okay. I liked Ernie Hudson's a lot mm-hmm. at the end. I thought that was funny. Uh, weirdly enough, I wasn't expecting it. Like, oh really? And, yeah. And like, it was. I I was. I was like, of course, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You know, I think he's been kind of. 
or maybe blatantly outspoken over the over the years he about has. how his character was so diminutive in in the in the film right. movies uh and he he has he has a good point and like I think he's been a little outspoken about it so yeah I was a little surprised that he was in it I wasn't sure if he was going to be or not um but I'm glad he was I I enjoyed that was the cameo I enjoyed second most mm-hmm. I liked uh Harold Ramis aka Egon the bust of the him bust. was I, nice I thought that was a really nice touch and I yeah. liked that that was the first one like yeah it was the first one yeah like yeah. I, I I really liked that because it was it was subtle it was subtle, but they stayed on it enough for to be respectful. Yeah, and it was. I I really liked that. I thought that was really good. Bill Murray's was just over the top and just yeah dissatisfying. I just I I would have I would have rather almost rather had him not be in the movie. Yeah, I I he had the most screen time of the cameos, obviously, yeah. and that it seemed like they were building towards something. Yeah, but then it's just complete. It, Goes out the window completely. Yeah, right. I agree. And I, like, yeah. yeah. So sure. I, like at the end of it, I was like, okay. And I know that there's been a lot of criticism over it because it is, um, it's like, it's, he, he's playing the opposite of, of his character in, in the original. And that's yeah. getting, getting a lot of people kind of butthurt over it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, uh, it's whatever. Um, I don't get, like I said, it's not a big, part of my childhood or anything i'm not like a huge mega yeah fan but um but i i don't know i kind of liked that he was the skeptical one like i liked if they hadn't had him show up at the office after they caught the ghost i would have been okay with it because mm-hmm. i thought it, it was a little weird but i thought it would have been okay that's fine yeah that's kind of tongue-in-cheek but that that whole sequence just didn't really land for me i agree like his character landed on the pavement <laughs> um yeah yeah. Um so Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, his was okay. I, mm-hmm. whatever. I, you know, I I don't know. It was weird like the it, it was like it was weird that they almost he was the most he was like the closest to his original character cuz he like mentioned mm-hmm. oh, these are just class 5 specters <laughs> right. or nothing like why why would he say that? I don't know. It was just I don't know. It was fine. I can't whatever. That I mean <laughs> that might have been my favorite cameo. Honestly. Oh really? Yeah, and a lot of people were hating on it but I I think I was, I think at that moment, it's like right toward the climax of the movie. I'm enjoying it. I'm all for this movie. I'm having a blast watching it. That pops up. And just like when he, when he says the line, um, I'm not going to Queens and I'm not, I, and I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> that's, that's great. I, I <laughs> dug that. I thought that was a lot of fun. I thought that was a nice, nice little moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much on the nose, obviously, but mm-hmm. I didn't care because I was I was having a blast in the moment. Also, um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, what else should we talk about? I don't. The, I don't think we mentioned the whole or the whole storyline of the city government wanting to keep them under the wraps. And everything. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea, and it mm-hmm. was done decently well mm-hmm. but i wish it would have been emphasized a little more i guess yeah um I, especially with i think they could have made andy garcia like a really satisfying like dumbass politician right and there was some of it especially at the end i love the part where he was like being interviewed mm-hmm. and he was like fake waving at somebody <laughs> right. i was like that's funny I, yeah. I, I wish they would have like emphasized that and ran with that i think it would have been really funny um me too but you know it was and you know like like matt walsh and michael k mm-hmm. williams were they they really just had like one scene i really wish they would have done more yeah I, and 
I don't oh. know. I, I mean, it's not. It wasn't bad, but it was like those are semi-recognizable actors, mm-hmm. and it's like, why would you bring them in for just? They each had like five lines, if right. that. And it's just like, I kind of wish they would have emphasized that storyline a little more. I think that would have been pretty funny. Um, Me too. I liked the conclusion of it at the end with the mm-hmm. the the lit skyline. Right. That was nice. Busters. That was cool. Yeah. Um, the whole cover up thing, hoax thing, like, I don't know. Like, I. It was it was interesting. It was it was yeah. It was fine, but it didn't really do anything for me. Okay. As, like uh, just having it in there, it didn't. Like uh, like you said, maybe it was just maybe it just wasn't developed enough for mm-hmm. me to latch onto it. But I was just like close to disinterested with them. You know, doing that, uh, okay. going that route with the story. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, hopefully they do more if they make another one. They they kind yeah. of they set it up for another one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So the villain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He. He was a personification of the internet. Ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they they even like they get like they defeat him by shooting him in the balls. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. That's that's something. Yeah. I didn't like. I thought that was funny because I mean, you know. I love the, that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any problems with it or anything, but it's just, it reinforced that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his whole arc, it was just kind of, uh, like I said in the non-spoiler part, it was, I, I, the action and the interplay between the characters and the comedy, um, all of that kind of took over or superseded the whole, um, villain aspect of it and story yeah. aspect of it. So I didn't mind him being like really lacking, but he, he yeah. is kind of a typical placeholder villain where, you know, it's a, it's an origin mm-hmm. story and you just kind of need someone in there to give conflict. And mm-hmm. it, it's an unfortunate symptom of the storytelling right. style. But, uh, yeah, I agree. He w- he was just kind of there. Yeah. Eight years of Marvel movies have made me desensitized yep. to this, desensitized to this type of storytelling. Right. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I thought that it was, uh, once he transformed into, uh, the, oh yeah, uh, once he transformed into his main, like, it, like the last villain of it, the giant logo, mm-hmm. I thought that, that was some of my favorite special effects in the whole movie. I agree. There was, like, so much texture to it. Yes. Like, it, you could, like, feel what, Mm-hmm. He felt like that's kind of a weird thing to say, right. but I, I think people who see it know what I mean. Like he just had he had a texture to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard the 3D is really. Did you see it in 3D? Or no, 2D? I did not. Okay, I mean no. either. Um, probably should have said that earlier. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, uh, I I I've heard that the 3D is like really really well done. Me too. Kind of makes me almost want to go see it again. Yeah. Um, just to see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that maybe. Yeah. Like establishing shots of the city and mm-hmm. especially with the giant ghost. That would, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Apparently some of it is like they, it, the, uh, when they, when like they're coming out of the screen, it like they, they block or they, um, or they block part of the letterbox at like the top and bottom of the screen. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, it creates a more immersive yeah. 3D experience. So That's I'm, cool. Yeah. So that makes me want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, nifty. Yeah. And so let's see. I thought there was oh um, the Stay Puft Marshmallow. <laughs> I I I would have been fine with them not including it at all. Yeah. But I like that they included it, but it wasn't um, 
pertinent to the story. It wasn't it wasn't a main focus of the story at all. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just, a uh, glorified Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. If that. Yep. Yeah. And Slimer was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That I was enjoyed cool. that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just I just had a lot of fun with it. Um, right. Uh. What uh, should we start wrapping it up? Yeah. Or, it kind of feels like we're winding down. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Uh, what did you think of the how the story wrapped up and the post credit scene? Um, I was fine with the way it wrapped up. You know, I, I think again, I I appreciated the the subplot of the, their efforts being diminished by the government, and you know they want to keep them under wraps and they're perpetrated as hoaxers and stuff like that. And then at the end, they're embraced by the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was cool because the original had a very New York feel to it. And like it, it was like New York was almost like a character, such a cliche thing to say, but like, you know, I was just going to call you out on that. Yeah, Like New York is New York was so prominently featured Mm -hmm. in the original that I I almost kind of missed that. I I feel like that was missing from this. Um, So I can't knock it too much for that, but that's kind of a, a sentiment I had when I was, when I was watching it. So I, the, the ending was fine. I, I thought, I thought it was a, a decent way to end it. Um, the post credit scene was good. I, I, I'm a little more excited for Zool, uh, spoiler alert. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, which, you know, obviously will be wildly derivative of the original. Right. Um, but still, I, it, it that has a more, more specterish, supernatural, evil, feel to it than a dude who's just a whiny pansy mm-hmm. wanting to whatever. I, I think, I think it'll be, I, I'm hoping it'll be a more satisfying storyline and I'll, I'll attach to the sequel more because of it. Or it's, I'll connect with the sequel more. I don't know. It's really interesting. You say that because, uh, it's, <laughs> first of all, it just reminded me that I completely forgot about the listener feedback. So I'll, uh, <laughs> put that at the end of this before we transition to potpourri. But, um, it's definitely fan service. It it is, and and I really hope that the Zool thing. I hope that that's all it is. I really hope that they don't go that route for the sequel. Okay. And like I I was thinking about that today because I thought it would be it would be kind of excellent if they just opened the sequel with like they they've been doing their ghost busting thing and they reference like them doing the the Zool storyline yeah. in between movies. And that would be kind of funny. That would be that would be cool. I, yeah. I would like that. And then they do their own thing for the mm-hmm. sequel. Um, having said that, just hearing that, just seeing that scene at the end of the credits, which by the way, if you didn't stay for the end credits, there's a scene where they reference Zool. Um, just seeing that in the end credits, I was like, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I I, like, that's really funny. And, uh, I, I, I liked it, but I was like, I hope they don't go that route, but I, I like that they did that for fan service and we did not mention Sigourney Weaver's Uh, cameo. I thought of that earlier. Yeah. Uh, also very girl powerish right and i was gonna say we spent the entire like we mentioned the the male cameos and didn't mention the female cameo and that could be construed yeah. in a way. um but no yeah what did you think of her cameo um i enjoyed it because her, her character in the original the the first two movies um is is very um very cookie cutter, very damsel in distress mm-hmm. kind of character. And that's just not Sigourney Weaver. Um, you know, she's Ripley, you know, she's awesome. Right. Uh, and so not, not that I dislike, uh, her character in the, in the original f- movies, but, uh, 
that that's the that's the sentiment of feminism or girl power that I enjoyed the most with this movie is that they brought her in and she I don't remember exactly what she said but she was like oh that's that's for dudes or something I can't remember yeah. what it was it was like I don't remember what it was but it was like subtleties for dudes or something like that I, mm. it, it was just like it was a it was a fun line and it was kind of a it was a really nice response to people who were critical of, of what they did with her character in the, the first couple of movies. So I enjoyed that. Um, and I'm, I'm a Sigourney Weaver fan, so I'm glad they included her. Yeah, I, uh, I agree there. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked that they included her. Um, Oh, what did you think of Annie Potts' cameo? I'm again, I'm glad they included her as well. Mm-hmm. Cause she's, she's a staple of the original cause she's so, she has that, uh, that witticism about her in the, her attitude is very memorable in, in right. the original. And so I'm, I'm glad they included her too. And she had the same attitude in this movie. I, I appreciated it. Nice. Yeah. I, I thought that was cool. <laughs> God damn it. Um, okay. Uh, are we done with our review? I think so. Yeah. I just, I always, I always put a number on these things. I'd give it like a soft six. Uh, yeah. Ten. I'd probably give it a, seven seven point five okay yep um and having said that uh i put out a facebook post and tweets um asking for feedback and got a couple responses on facebook uh jeff palermo okay so jeff palermo the host of sci-fi on screen great podcast highly recommend checking it out Mm -hmm. uh so i asked (laughs) i said we're reviewing ghostbusters what um what did you think of the movie but I didn't, I didn't specify that it was Ghostbusters 2016. Mm-hmm. So like his comment was funny, but it never really took hold with me. Even back in the day, I recently screened it and found it mildly amusing. Pacing is slow and uneven and Murray just comes off as creepy in his scenes with Weaver, but it does have some amazing lines. Um, and then so, yeah, and then I went back and edited the post, but, uh, to clarify that was that, but, uh, I asked him if, uh, he's seen the remake yet, and he said, I haven't, I'll probably catch it on the small screen. Okay. So, okay, and then, uh, Brandon Cruz from, uh, Submitted for Your Approval podcast, a great Twilight Zone podcast that I was, uh, honored to be a guest on mm-hmm. recently. Um, and also Apathetic Enthusiasm, a really fun, uh, it's, it's kind of funny cause, cause like, like, Obsessive Viewer and Anthology and Apathetic Enthusiasm and, uh, Submitted for Your Approval, like, it's like we, it's like we've, it's like we're doing the same type of thing, but separate from each other without knowing knowing each other. <laughs> Even down to the solo podcast or the side project podcast about the Twilight Zone. I just thought that was funny. Anyway, <laughs> Brandon said uh, he left uh, Ghostbusters uh, 2016 thinking solid seven, but after talking about it on Apathetic Enthusiasm this week, he changed it to 7.5. Hmm. Then he put LOL McKinnon, man. Nice. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, he said, I look back on it better than I did during, uh, the movie. I think that's a sign of a lasting comedy in some ways. Very so, good. Yeah. Um, so I highly recommend checking out his, his stuff. Um, also Dylan, uh, Dylan Shuck, the host of the, uh, the watch and talk, uh, tweeted and said, he, uh, he said, I actually like it. Had a few good laughs. Felt it captured the spirit of the original. So yeah. Cool. Check him out over at the watch and talk. And then, uh, yeah, that's all the feedback we got. I don't okay. In, in, like, the, the box office didn't, didn't do that great. Oh, really? Well, I'm, Secret Life of Pets beat it. Oh. And it's like second or third week. 
Okay. So that's not good. That's not that good. Darn. Yeah, I would I would hope that word of mouth does well, but yeah, uh, but then, staying power or something. Yeah, but then it also has um, Star Trek Beyond coming out. That's gonna right. probably. I've I've actually been hearing some really good things. Nice about that. Actually, uh, Feck has texted me while we were recording this when we started recording and said that uh, Star Trek is getting some pretty great reviews. And it's actually tracking to do really well. It's opening weekend. This nice. Weekend, so. That's good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Having said all that, that's our review of Ghostbusters 2016. Um, uh, yeah. Go check it out. Let us know what you think. Obviously, you know all the places, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and at uh, our email addresses. You can just email <laughs> podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Um, yeah. So... Now that we've done all that, once again, Shocktober Nervington tickets are on sale. Podcast one promo code if you want a dollar off. Um, here in Indianapolis, October 14th, 2016. Almost forgot the date. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, but anyway, so now we're going to talk about potpourri. Um, for first time listeners, potpourri is a section of the podcast, uh, where we talk about whatever we want. Um, basically anything we're watching, anything we're looking forward to, anything that we've consumed media wise, um, recently, uh, we call it potpourri. It's whatever we want, as long as it smells good and tiny, I have two things. You have one thing. Correct. Okay. So I am going to kick us off with, um, <laughs> this. Okay. So, so this movie I saw a couple weeks ago, I'm indie film fest is all on my brain now. So I've, I've been, this is gone away a little bit but uh mike and dave need need wedding dates nice yeah the zach efron and adam divine uh movie with uh uh, uh anna kendrick and aubrey plaza aubrey plaza <laughs> seriously i'm so tired guys <laughs> um anyway so it's about zephron and adam divine basically um there are they are the obnoxious party animals of their family and their um uh their family tells them like you need to have respectable bring respectable dates so that they can keep you in line to your sister's destination wedding in Hawaii so they use that to basically um do like it like they post an ad on on Craigslist it goes viral and they eventually blah 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 it's wedding crashers essentially um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick are kind of, uh, they con their way into going on the, the trip mm-hmm. and then chaos ensues. Um, so a couple things stuck out to me when I first saw the movie, like the, the beginning of the movie. One is that it's based on the life stories or the life events of Mike and Dave Spangle, Stangle, Stangle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, free shout out to Chris Spangle. Uh, we are libertarians, the Chris Spangle show. But anyway, uh, Mike and Dave Stangle, who, these are real life guys who real, in real life put their ad on Facebook or on Craigslist for this, basically the same thing, only it wasn't a destination wedding. I don't know what it was, whatever. Um, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and, uh, just reading like parts of the original, like reading the trivia section on IMDb made me think, I, these guys just seem like just douchebags. I bet. <laughs> like unbelievable douchebags. Not, it's like, it's kind of funny. Like, like some of the, some of the stuff is kind of funny, but it's like, if they made like a movie about that as they did, 
I would not like those characters at all because they just seem like really unlike unsympathetic er, characters. But uh, so that's to say that I I kind of went in um, uh, when I, when I realized that I was like, okay, well that that's gonna kind of color my experience in the movie. I actually liked the chemistry between um, Adam Divine and Zac Efron. Um, I thought they played brothers pretty well. And I'm not a big Adam Divine fan. Something about him is just I could never really connect to his style and something about him just I just didn't like I, I've never liked him um, thought he was thought he was quite good in this movie um, pr- pretty good pretty good and and the comedy was alright but um, Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick though the for the first like 20 minutes uh, until they get to Hawaii I all I could think is these two like they are two like I really like them as actresses. Anna Kendrick is amazing. Aubrey mm-hmm. Plaza is great. They're playing these just really trashy girls, and it's like the, it just it, I didn't buy it with them. Um, but once they get there and they they like they have scenes with the guys and everything, it's it, they do well. They they become they're more in their element. And uh, there's a really good subplot with um, Anna Kendrick's character. Um, in particular that, uh, kind of makes like, again, this is basically wedding crashers. Hmm. Um, also they, uh, this is really long winded. I apologize. But, um, also they reference wedding crashers by name. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's really, I'm like, that's, that's weird. It's, it's kind of dumb, but, um, but yeah, I thought that it was, I thought that it was an okay comedy. It was pretty fun. It was, it was pretty funny. I'm probably not going to see it again. I might throw it on in the background if it hits Netflix, but I don't know. So that's, I mean, it was, it was worth a rental, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of fun. Uh, I thought that there was something else about it. Not, not really. Um, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, so it's been a while. Yeah, I remember when I saw the title, I was like, "No," <laughs> but the trailer, I thought I was like, "It actually kind of looks kind of funny." So mm. I'm curious. I don't remember. Oh yeah, I have seen the trailer. I had seen the trailer before. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to it to an extent, but yeah. Gotcha. Um. Yeah, it was just it was okay. It was it was funny. It was funny. It was it landed where it, when it needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tiny, what do you have for potpourri? Um, I wanted to mention the first season of bloodline on nice. uh, Netflix, which you mentioned months and months ago, a uh, year ago. Was it a year ago? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I really, I wanted to watch it based solely on your enthusiasm for it. I had, I hadn't even really heard much about it from other sources. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, I wanted to watch it just because of that. And, uh, I, I watched the first episode about, oh, I don't know, probably back in like March. And then I didn't watch the rest of it until like late June or something. Um, and, and I have to say, I think it's one of the best shows out there right now. Nice. Nice. It is just, really good mm-hmm. uh on on just all the levels just every level is just great they nail they just nail everything on that show um and and i think one of the things i really appreciate appreciated about it is that um the 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 pilot and the first episode are kind of a little bit separate from the rest of it i think mm-hmm. um it just kind of i'm not going to spoil anything but it just has kind of a, a different feel to it and there's kind of a cliffhanger twisty thing at the end of the pilot and it just it has a very unique spin on the rest of the season mm-hmm. um that just just to to incredible effect um you kind of feel like 
they, they establish their character so well in the first episode and then things kind of start to get twisted around and you realize you don't really know the characters and there's something mm-hmm. different. Um, and, and I just thought that was a brilliant move and it, it just worked incredibly well on me. Um, the, the pilot, it, it hooked me in a way, but it, like I said, I kind of waited like two months between the pilot and the rest right. of the episodes. Um, but that's not a fault of the show. I just kind of, kind of lost my way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the show is just absolutely incredible. All of the acting is top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, the the standout for me is Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, he plays the oldest son mm-hmm. of of the the family that's featured throughout the throughout the series, and uh, I I haven't seen him in a lot. I, I remember I saw him. I had never heard of the guy before mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight Rises, right? And I was like, "Who's this guy? How did he get this role in this movie? Who, I don't, <laughs> what is this guy? He's an older Australian actor. Where did he come from?" Uh, and then I saw him in like The Place Beyond the Pines, and I was like, "Oh, he's pretty good." And he just he is just a force on mm-hmm. this sh- on this show. I-, I was just blown away by him. He's he's so mysterious, and just you, you just never know what he's going to do next. Right in in this this series, um, and and I'm I'm glad to see that he got some awards recognition for it. Right, he deserved it. I, God, he was so good. Um, but that's not to say that the other actors aren't great. You know, um. Kyle Chandler, mm-hmm. who I think everyone is a fan of from oh, yeah. Friday Night Lights, myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he's very good in it. He has a, a very paternal mm-hmm. feel to him that I that I appreciate. Um, glad to see Linda Cardellini doing something Me too. of note. Um, she, I feel like she hasn't. She, she's a phenomenal actress and mm-hmm. just hasn't done a whole lot over the last couple of years. Right. Um, and then some of the other char- some of the other actors I haven't seen in much. Um, Sissy Spacek, she, she's almost a legend, really. She's mm-hmm. she's really good in it. Uh, Sam Shepard, who I'm a huge fan of, yeah. uh, just has such a presence on screen. God, such a great cast. The cast is just unbelievable. It's outstanding. Uh, it's so good. Um, so it's worth seeing just for that. But then the the, the writing, mm-hmm. man, the writing, the, the the tapestry they weave with the conflict amongst this family is just unbelievable. And it's, it's just an incredible story and it's, it's kind of unlike any other show I've seen really. Mm. Uh, but, but it has, it has a very simple premise, but it's kind of just, it's, it's, it's interesting how unique it is given how simple the premise is. Yeah. It it feels like it's a story when, when someone tells you what it's about, you're like, Oh, I've seen that a thousand times, mm-hmm. but you really haven't. Right. It's, and it, it's incredible. It becomes such this, it, it, Starts out like, like they have a clear premise at the beginning and then it, it just, it goes into this such complexity as the season unfolds. I, man, I love that show. Yeah. I really need to watch season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, what I really loved about it was the depiction of the sibling, siblingness of it. Yeah. I thought that was just, even in moments, I think I referenced this last year when, when I brought it up, but, um, that moment in like the first, second, third episode, I think the first episode, it is the first episode where the siblings are arguing about Danny, Ben Mendelsohn's character, the black sheep of the family who came home for, for that, uh, the first episode, um, in the first episode, he wants to bring his date to the head of like the family table at this, at this event. And like, it's such a family, like it's such, it's such a great scene because all of these characters, you see their personalities, you see why it's affecting, why this, why this small squabble or why this small issue is affecting 
the bigger picture of their their uh, what they're doing and it's a, it's such a minor thing it's it's arguing over literally a seat at the table yeah and it's it's just created so well and executed so well that it's it really really brings you into into the dynamics and the story you're about to see in a very strange and and uh unexpected way because that absolutely just works so well for me absolutely it's it, the the show for me is a testament to how the quality the overall quality of a show or a story can reside just in the characters yeah you totally. you can have a unsatisfactory or just a, just an okay story but if your characters are really good people are going to want to watch it and people are going to latch onto those characters and and find something to, that's entertaining or fulfilling through your characters you know that's that's why i think we're such big fans of stephen king is you know he mm-hmm. his characters are top notch and and this show uses that to amazing effect and and i'm looking forward to watching the second season it's it, i think it's one of the best shows out there i agree yep yeah um Okay, uh, so my, um, to kind of round us out for this episode, um, my last puppery is, uh, so, so right now Indie Film Fest is going on. So I've seen a lot of, of independent films at Indie Film Fest here in Indianapolis, um, over the last week or so. I'm not going to bring them up here for this episode, but I will, I will be doing a kind of wrap up solo episode, uh, since Tiny's going to be on vacation. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so that'll be next week. But, in the meantime, I, I took today off from the film festival so that we mm-hmm. could record. And, um, I kind of like, I had a couple hours to kill before tiny came over and I was like, I'm going to watch something on Netflix. So kind of in the spirit of being absorbed in indie film fest and everything, I decided to watch before we go. It's an independent romantic drama, uh, starring and directed by Chris Evans, his directorial debut. Nice. Yep. It's uh, stars him and Alice Eve. And yeah, the, the plot summary according to IMDb is two strangers stuck in Manhattan for the night grow into each other's most trusted confidants when an evening of unexpected event adventure forces them to confront their fears and take control of their lives. And this movie, have you ever, Tiny, have you ever seen any of the before movies, Richard Linklater's? Before? I have not. Okay. Me neither. But I, from what I understand of those movies, is like I need to see those movies pronto. Yeah. Um. But like this seems like in the spirit of those movies, like this kind of romantic drama. Um. One night, two people just learning about each other. Um. Kind of dynamic on screen, and, influ- and influencing each other's lives in unexpected ways. Um. That's my understanding of the before series, and that's a, that's or at least before. Um. I think it's before sunrise is the first one. But anyway, um. This movie feels like that and, uh, lost in translation. Um, and it's, I was really, I was really quite taken with it. I, I really liked it. Um, it, there's some really good character stuff in it. It's, it's kind of, um, it's a good, it's a good example of why I love this type of film, this kind of low key independent drama, like romance drama. It's just like, that's, that's kind of my, that's my jam. Um, <laughs> And seeing, like, Chris Evans in Alice Eve, 
take control of the story and, and guide us through the story. It's, it's so cool because like they, they, they're very charismatic. Um, they have incredible chemistry on screen and the character, it's not like a, it's not like a, oh, let's meet and fall in love kind of thing. It's like, let's meet and let's, let's help each other with our own issues. It's, it's a really, it's a really engaging film and it's not what you would expect out of like when you hear independent romantic drama. It's not like, it's not like a, the story of how two people fall in love and live happily ever after. It's like how two people dealing with stuff deal with their stuff Hmm. while confiding in a total stranger. Um, just really good. Also, Chris Evans, he's just too handsome. He really is. He's ridiculously good looking and it's, it's kind of frustrating and annoying. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and also, also Alice Eve is just, freaking gorgeous yeah um they're the kind of like beautiful people where you see them and you get mad because like why why do they have a right to be that beautiful right. it's not fair like, right yeah I, I know exactly what you mean yeah it's like it's like seeing them on screen together <laughs> it's like it's like the universe is done i know um, imagine if like, they had a yeah. child oh yeah totally uh, yeah um but no it's and it's it's just it's really charming it's really well done and i i'm i really hope that chris evans does more direct uh, directorial things or takes more directing gigs storytelling yeah. um yeah because he i think he he did it well i mean he he did a good job and he's put in his time with the marvel stuff right right he's he's been saying i think for a couple of years now he's ready to kind of move on and get into more right. storytelling stuff yeah yeah and i i love that this is the type of movie he makes nice because like, it's it's just i don't know and he seems like he seems like a good guy so um i'm rooting for him but uh also i mean there were a couple there were a couple things where uh there's a little bit of a conflict like uh early in the movie um after they meet uh she's walking down a a street and there's like a, a few drunk guys that are like being loud and obnoxious and so this is after they've kind of parted ways and then chris evans comes up and he kind of puts his arm around her and he's like oh hey honey sorry i'm late or whatever just kind of like putting up a front so that they don't like mess with her or anything as I walk past, and I was like, "Yeah, damn right, don't mess with Captain America, guys," because <laughs> um, I'm an idiot. But yeah, so I, I really, I highly recommend it. It's it's a really good movie if you're in the mood for a fun uh, and and contemplative and at times very deep um, uh, independent drama, independent romantic drama. And also on that on that similar note. Um, I keep forgetting to mention this and I keep forgetting to tweet it out and everything, but last year, uh, last year I, we did an extended potpourri episode, uh, where I talked a lot about the movies I saw at Indie Film Fest last year. One of the movies I referenced was, uh, Night Owls, which was the American Spectrum, uh, best of, best of the fest American Spectrum category, um, at last year's Indie Film Fest. It's now on Netflix. I highly recommend checking it out. It's Adam Pally and, um, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Ro- um, Rosa Salazar, who, uh, they stars two people who, again, it's an, it, this would be a good double feature with, with before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically after workaholic Kevin has a drunken one night stand with the beautiful train wreck Madeline, he's horrified to discover that he's actually his boss's jilted ex mistress. Uh, when she takes a bottle of sleeping pills, Kevin is forced to keep her awake, and over the course of the night, the two begin to fall for each other. It's a really good independent romantic drama as well. Um, check it out on Netflix now. It's called Night Owls. It's really enjoyable. Um, and also check out Before We Go, because I, I had a lot of fun with it. It was really, it was really good. 
um, and exactly what I look for in that type of movie. Cool. All right. So that about does it for this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Um, thank you for listening to us ramble on once again for our 100th and, like, what is it, 77th episode? Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, so next week, uh, Tiny's on vacation. So I approved his PTO. He's, he's, he's good to go. Um, <laughs> got a whole week, guys. A whole week, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, donate button. Um, so anyway, um, next week on the podcast, we're going to, I'm going to just probably release that solo Indie Film Fest episode. Um, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. And I'm going to add something here for, like, the um, thing. Okay. There's pizza wall. She's we're done. Okay. She's like, can I sit on the couch? Can I be on the podcast? Pizza. Hey, can you talk? I've, I've asked her that. I've seen. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> I was like, I, for a second, I couldn't remember if I told you that or yeah, not. Yeah, you told me that before. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's I've, why I was referencing it. Yeah. yeah. I've seriously, seriously <laughs> asked her that. I know. Um, so, anyway, um, that's our weekly talk about the cat. Uh, pizza roll hurt. Um, hyphen Lawrence, cause Jennifer Lawrence. That's ridiculous. Dear God. Yep. Anyway, um, so anyway, this is the, this is the blah, 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 blah. As we were recording, we got another, uh, listener feedback on the post on Facebook. I just want to throw it out here cause it, it was after we, uh, you know, did the listener stuff. Uh, Doug from Movie Madness Podcast, he said uh, in regards to Ghostbusters 2016, he said, I was really disappointed. There is no build or anticipation or subtlety uh, to any of the scenes. They just hit you over the head trying to be goofy. What really bothers me is that the cast is talented and could be smart and witty if they were given the chance. Unfortunately, they were saddled with being dumb and awkward. That's a really interesting take on it. I I mean, I didn't have a problem with that at all or anything. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have that read on it or anything, but, um, you know, everyone, you know, to each their own. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so thanks for, uh, uh, writing in on the Facebook post. He shares a lot of our stuff and everything. So it's, it's cool. awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, uh, thanks for listening guys and see you next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com, where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer, and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at IamMikeWhite. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. 
You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.